This is Lifetime Sentence, the podcast where we watch bad Lifetime original movies and compare them to the truly heinous stories that inspired them. Because sometimes the truth really is stranger than fiction. How's it going? Oh, I'm very, very tired. You know that feeling when you just, you feel like you're about to just fall face down on the floor. Like you literally can't go on. (laughs) No, I have never felt that way. Liar. (laughs) That's how I'm, I'm just like out of gas. I totally get that. Like I can't do anything else, but I still have things to do tonight. So, um, So, I guess we should address the elephant in the room up top, because by the time people are hearing our voices right now, they will have heard the ads that start. Oh yeah, we have ads now, guys. um, (laughs) Which means that we're professionals, and basically we're just waiting for our, um, we're going to call them personal assistants and not Mm -hmm. servants to come and take care of our lives. It's true. It's true. Anytime now you can just show up, that'd be great. Um, our doors are not unlocked because we host a true crime podcast, so we know better than sure. that. But you yeah. can ring the doorbell. Please, please knock and identify yourself loudly. Because <laughs> <laughs> if I'm not expecting you, I might call the police. <laughs> <sighs> also, Aunt Becky, I'm coming for you, sis. <laughs> want to say that up top now is that because you want to exact revenge against her or you just want to have as much money as her and so like you're coming for her pay grade or you're coming for her personally oh i'm just coming for her in this episode oh okay i got you she's ridiculous yes that is all yes um so did you do anything awesome this week um we signed up with a podcast. Oh well, thing, yeah. I just, I just meant you personally, like non-podcast related. Nope. All I did was sleep, which was actually pretty glorious. I didn't even do that. Well, now I'm just bragging. Yeah, you are. <laughs> uh, so. Oh, I did watch this movie last night. I did too, and I, I know mean, you did. everyone knows that that's my goal this week, and. Um, it is actual torture for me to sit still and watch a whole movie and have to pay attention and not read a book. So the <laughs> sacrifices I make for all of you. Yeah. I just want to remind you, I do that every week. Yeah, but you're a movie person too. Yeah, but generally if I, if I live tweet the movie, I have to go back and watch it again to do show notes too. Yeah, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not the type of person that can sit and watch a movie multiple times. Unless it's still Magnolias. Right. Well, that one doesn't count. No. That one is a, a religious experience. It is. Take me to church, Sally Field. Take me to church. I'll, you know, I know that song was overplayed for like three years. But now that we've had some distance, that's one of my favorite songs. I really do like that song. And then I read a breakdown of the lyrics and I was like, this song is depressing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But you know what? It's like poetic. We don't get much poetic music anymore. No, it's it's a good song. It's just very depressing. Um, And it doesn't make you feel depressed when you listen to it. No, that's true. Um, It's like a sneak (laughs) depression. So um, welcome to Lifetime Sentence, by the way. I'm Paul. Oh, I'm Erin. I was all set to be somebody else. Oh, I know. 
every once in a while I like to um, throw people for a loop. Yeah, so like we said at the top, <laughs> got completely off it. We have ads now. If you're behind and you're like catching up, also, I don't know why I'm saying this now because that you won't hear this. <laughs> but bear with us because adding ads to back episodes of a podcast, it turns out, is not easy. And I didn't even do it. <laughs> We're almost finished at this point. By the time this goes live, we'll, we'll have it completely finished. Um but what I will say, it caused me a lot of stress and then you did it for me. And then I was like, I'm still stressed. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I will say is that it caused a few changes to Patreon, which is not a big deal, but, um, that I think is all fixed too. But for any of our Patreon listeners who, um, and if you subscribe after this point, the old episodes, um, up to about three weeks ago, um, are the actual MP3 that you'll have to click and like load rather than stream mm-hmm. it through the app. But starting about three weeks ago, we started streaming them directly through the Patreon app. So Right. And so then you can go to the, I know there was some confusion with some of our patrons. You can go and copy that link and then subscribe to it in your podcast. Yes. Whatever your podcast. Your podcatcher. Uh, app of choices. Podcatcher of choice. All right. Yeah. So I guess I start this off, huh? You do start this off. This already feels weird. I know. We've only done this once before and I didn't like it then. Oh, sorry. Well, You're the one that wanted to do this. this I know. Your idea. I just like to save the best for last. And so. <laughs> All right. So. Oh, if, if you mean by the best, it is me screeching for five hours about how white people are the worst. Then yeah. Well, <laughs> that, this week, that is the best. You're right. <laughs> All right, so this week I watched the college admissions scandal on Lifetime, and they had to stretch really hard for that title. They, they did, st- I mean, <laughs> they thought long and hard about that one. Um, they I, really did. I imagine the writer's room, and they're like, okay, guys, we've got to come up with a title. And all they could come up with was like, Aunt Becky really sucks. And so <laughs> in the 11th hour, one poor little coffee getter was like, um, what if we just call it the college admission scandal? And they were like, no, that's an awful idea. So then one of the executives was like, hey, what if we call it the college admission scandal? <laughs> it, it just depends on the, the emphasis of the syllable. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so um, this movie stars um, Penelope Ann Miller as Caroline who I will call Danny's mom for most of this because they didn't oh. say her name for a very long time. No, they didn't. But I'm just going to call her Felicity Huffman. Yes. <laughs> uh, I was going to get on that. Thank you for beating me. Um, she was in American Crime, Men of a Certain Age, Vanished, and Adventures in Babysitting, which is the one that yes. matters. Mm-hmm. Yes, that um, is the one that matters. Mia Kirshner was Bethany, um, who... All whose name also was not said for a very long time. But who killed it. Killed it. Um, And so um, for a long time, I just call her Emma's mom. Um, She is currently in Star Trek Discovery. And Mm -hmm. she was on the L Word 24, the Vampire Diaries, and the Crow, the City of Angels. So she's Lori Laughlin. Yes. For sure. For sure. Well, and a mixture of... Did you watch the documentary that came on after it last night? I did. So it was her... Well, 
Because I think Danny's mom, what was her name? Caroline. I already forgot. I think she was a mixture of Jenna Berkman. Uh-huh. Yeah. And Felicity Huffman, because her son, Jenna Berkman's son was the one that came out later and apologized, saying he had no idea right. that it was going on. Yeah. And then Mia Kirshner. And Felicity Huffman's daughter has as well. We'll get there. Right. Uh, Mia mm-hmm. Kirshner was a mixture of Aunt Becky, but also that uh, winery owner, the the vineyard oh. owner, who was the one who flat out like verbatim said her line, I'm not a moron. I'm not going to tell the... <laughs> Hello, FBI. I am not a moron. I definitely don't think this call is being recorded. I will definitely not say that I participated in this scandal by giving this man $500,000 to get my kid into college. Goodbye, FBI. (laughs) And then they sign it with their full legal name and social security number just to be sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so she almost brought us our Pornhub or TV because she was in a movie called Exotica, mostly Whoa, because so she played a character just called Stripper. So, <laughs> um, but I got to save it for later. So um, Sam Duke, who played Danny, and he hasn't really been in anything. Um, he's been in Fargo, two episodes of it, but that's about it. Um, su- surprised me at how decent of an actor he was. He was very good. Um, and he's the one that somebody tweeted us. Yes. And said he looks like Robert Pattinson. Yes, like an opera and Robert Pattinson. Uh-huh. I saw that. Yeah. Um, there is Sarah Dugdale, who plays Emma, and she was in Death of a Cheerleader. Ooh, the new one? Yes. Obviously, not the one Tori Spelling. <laughs> you mean back before she was alive? Yeah, it was mm-hmm. that one. Um, and then... Um, Finally, was Michael Shanks, who I who played Rick Singer, who I will call cult leader Rick this entire episode. I really thought he in the previews, he looked like Felicity Huffman's husband from Desperate Housewives, but it's not him. No, I was very disappointed. I would have loved that so much. And Michael (laughs) Shanks played Hawkman on Smallville. Um, He was in a few of the Stargate franchises. Um, He was on 24. He's uh, actually, he plays a doctor in Saving Hope, which is one of Sarah's favorite shows. Oh, I do. I have not really watched it, but I've seen the previews. And yeah, you're right. He is in that yeah, show. So he's like the, the protagonist is this woman who's a surgeon and her, uh, her fiance gets in a car accident and falls into a coma on the way to their mm-hmm. wedding. And he plays that fiance. And the thing is, his brush with death lets him like talk to ghosts when he comes back mm-hmm. out of the coma. It's a very interesting movie, uh, show. I mean, yes. and then he brings us out. Our porn hub or TV. Yay! In a movie called Suddenly Naked. Go. <laughs> Suddenly Naked is a movie about that moment when you wake up in your dream and you're naked and you have to give a speech in front of the whole school um, about the cafeteria food and you're standing on a table in the middle of the lunchroom and you're suddenly naked. And it's about how to deal with that, uh, that, particular phenomena you are exactly right no (laughs) Um, the write-up says novelist jackie york is inching closer to 40 recovering from a painful breakup and battling a bad case of writer's block when she meets fellow writer patrick sparks fly between the pair who initially found each other online however there's one thing making jackie hesitant about her new lover He's 20 years younger than she is. Get it, girl. 
So how Stella got her groove back. (laughs) Despite Jackie's qualms and the presence of her prying ex-boyfriend, Lionel, she embarks on an affair with Patrick. Well, I mean, when your ex-boyfriend's name is Lionel, he doesn't really get a vote. (laughs) So there you go. Um, that tells us actually nothing about this movie, but no, we're going. To- is it on like the Hallmark XXX channel? That's exactly what it is. Yep, okay. Hallmark Triple X. Okay, I'm on board. All right, so the movie opens with police lights and a door opening, and somebody is clearly getting arrested for some reason. In typical oh, lifetime, I know flashing. who it is. <laughs> You know, Lifetime likes to do this thing where they open with the arrest and then they like think they're Quentin Tarantino. So then they rewind. Um, so <laughs> I, I'm disappointed to say that it was not Aunt Becky, however. Bummer. I wish this is one where I wish they'd shown like real footage of them like going like doing their perp walks. Right. That would have been really good um, and really shady. I would have loved it. <laughs> Once the opening montage is done, the camera pans to a woman with a very clear, I need to speak to your manager, Bob cut. And uh, she's looking at a list of colleges and she very happily announces that they have moved up to number three, but we don't know who we is. Like, I know there's the list that shows it, but since as a viewer, we didn't know we were actually looking at that list until it was too late. Um, True. Come to find out number three is Princeton. No, it's Stanford. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Stanford. Uh, Mm -hmm. But Princeton has overtaken Yale. And then an equally soccer mom kind of dad walks in and (laughs) says that that's going to make half of his um, office insufferable because Harvard is now falling down and everyone deserves a drink. And I'm like, I would like to interrupt that this makes the entire cast of this movie insufferable. (laughs) (laughs) They set it up to be awful. Um, yeah, there were the the parents in this movie really had no redeeming qualities except Emma's dad. <laughs> At all. So um, then they look royally pissed off when they hear the worst thing you can possibly hear: music. <laughs> They're from that Footloose town. <laughs> <laughs> and to add to it, very good singing. <gasps> no. Um. So I only want bad singing. When they climb up their, the stairs, they see that their obnoxious son is playing guitar instead of studying Algebra 3. Which is not a thing. <laughs> Which, also, what the fuck is Algebra 3? Is my next sentence. I was a high school teacher for seven years and there was never an Algebra 3. I went to my son's high school page and double checked today to make sure that Algebra 3 wasn't the thing. Well, and it's not. So then I was like, maybe they think pre-cal is Algebra 3, but that's usually trigonometry. Like it's usually right. not... You know, so I don't know, yeah. but Algebra 3. And then the mom says, if you don't get an A in Algebra 3, you won't get into an AP class. And she launches into how important the junior year is. If you're not in AP classes by junior year, you might as well hang your hat up if you're dreaming of uh, Ivy League schools. Right. Well, then she also launches into about how the first semester of his senior year is going to make or break him. And I'm like, sister, first semester of your senior year, you're done. You're too late. Your apps are out. You're done. I mean, they for the college admission scandal, they have no idea how this works. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, no wonder they had to shell out $500,000 because they had no clue. Really? <laughs> and I'm going to tell you how to shell out $500,000 and also get in the school and also not get arrested during my segment. <laughs> Good. I need to know all those things in that order. Um, so, um, 
yelling. <laughs> I said, in fact, I was feeling very uh, good about myself last night. And I wrote, um, if your kid isn't in AP classes by junior year, then you're already behind. Yale and Harvard don't want your trash. Yeah. My kid's been in pre-AP classes since middle school, so... Right. Um, then they tell him that music isn't a viable career option, and I get triggered. <laughs> I was like, um, I managed to have a very comfortable living with my music career, so they can back the fuck off, please, and thank you. Uh, also, you're if that triggered you, you're going to be pretty triggered the whole movie. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, soccer mom, who... I called Janet in the opening just because I felt like she was a Janet. <laughs> um, soccer mom arrives at brunch with a group of very pretentious wannabes who are all bitching that their kids aren't scoring well on the PSATs and that they all need tutors. And if these people were my son's friend's parents, I would jump off the top of a building. <laughs> Your son would just need new friends. I would declare he needs new friends. I'd be like you're not allowed to hang out with any of those monsters. <laughs> Um, soccer mom Janet is disappointed that her kid is only scoring in the upper 1200s. And then the queen of all rich moms comes out in like a sheath dress that is not very flattering. And Mia Kirshner is beautiful for their, for them to have dressed her in those ugly dresses all show, all movie. She wears like the same dress in different fabrics <laughs> yes. the whole time. Yes. Um, also this is Aunt Becky and you cannot call her anything else. <laughs> So um, she is clearly the queen of all pretensions and she tells them that she's discovered a savior. She knows a tutor who got two whole kids into an Ivy League school last year. And um, so immediately we cut to um, this queen of pretension, Aunt Becky, arguing with her daughter. Her daughter is showing her a project that she's done that's trying to raise, raise awareness of something, but we're not really sure what, because I'm going to be on the mom's side. It was a really shitty project. It was, but also I got it. I got it. It was about poverty. Right. It was about like but it, donating to help people in other countries isn't helpful if the, the people you should be donating to help live around the corner from you. Right. Right. And also Tent City will come back again. Yes, so. it will. Um, <laughs> so the mom says it's not good enough, but they'll have the guy who does their quarterly spruce it up. And then the daughter is less than pleased because she's like, I want it to be ugly because I'm making a statement, mom. You don't get me. I'm an artist. She doesn't really say that, but I feel that in her bite back. I get it. Mm -hmm. um, so then the mom says, get up. We're going to this important event. And you need to dress nice. And then she pulls out a really ugly shirt and tells Emma to put it on. Which, by the way, I don't think we learned Emma's name at this point. But I don't remember. Um, because it's not in my notes for a while, at least. Um, yeah. So then they go to what can only be described as a cult meeting. Where all of... God. Oh, you look like you had something to say. Where oh, all... I do. But... Okay. Oh, wait. Um, it's a cult meeting for only people with bob cuts, though, and bad attitudes. Yeah. Well, also, if you go to a college recruitment seminar, seminar? yeah, and they're serving like the champagne, right? You're in the wrong seminar. Yeah. Yeah. Just put drink a glass because i get it and then go right right <laughs> um 
So then this cult leader man tells them that going to an Ivy League school is the only way for self-actualization and that if you don't go to a top tier college, you will never learn how to love yourself or anybody else and you will die penniless in the streets. So that's what's wrong with me. Yeah, me too. I didn't go to Harvard. <sighs> Fuck. My parents didn't pay for me to get into Harvard. So it's all their fault. It's always our parents' Yay! fault. Um, then the cult leader walks past Guitar Danny and he says that it's like looking into a mirror because he sees this driven, smart kid who makes just okay scores, but he's got a real passion for music. And I was like, cult leader, I can guarantee you did not touch a guitar. Is it like ever. a body distortion mirror? Like, what? <laughs> like at a fun house, it's got the swoopies yeah. on it. <laughs> yeah, you don't look like that kid. <laughs> and also, you're the world's biggest douchebag. Both of those are true. Um, and then he says that Guitar Danny should be true to himself, which is real funny because the whole movie is spent with them telling Danny not to be true to himself. For sure. Like, yeah, they're like, yes, be true to yourself, but only in the way that you, we want you to be. Right. Which is to not be true to yourself at all. Right. So, Follow son? Yes. Okay. Have a great day. <laughs> so cult leader Rick finally finishes this meeting and it shows them sorting like at his office. He's sorting through all the business cards of the people he met at this cult meeting um, guised mm-hmm. as a college recruitment seminar. Um, and he starts running some kind of weird reconnaissance. Um he is pulling up the profiles of everybody. He finds out their pro, pro uh, their financial profiles. And like, he sees that queen pretension. Aunt Becky is, um, a single mom, but she has a ton of money and she's some kind of financial advisor or something. And I didn't really care that much to the specifics. Cause I didn't realize they'd be important. And then later they are. And I was like, well, fuck. <laughs> well, what he's doing is he's trying to figure out who has the money and to just sign up desperate. for his like for his legit program and who has the money to pay him right. for his now, not so legit program. <laughs> well, I, I was about to get there, so um so then he starts meeting with the high class profiles. Um and he starts by going to Angry Daughter, whose name is Emma, we finally found out. So mm-hmm. here's where it is. Um, because I called her Angry Daughter for a while. Um <laughs> He asks her why she even wants to go to Yale. Um, But before she can answer her mom, who at this point I was really pissed off that we didn't know her name yet. So I, I like I paused it to IMDB and there's not a name on the cast list even. So I was like, they're just like holding up a middle finger at me at this point. Yeah, totally. Um, So the mom just butts in and answers and it's really insufferable. Like Emma opens her mouth and Bethany's like, oh, it's because it's the only place she's ever wanted to go because it is the world of opportunity. Don't you know? And I wish that was the most offensive thing she says during this entire movie. Right. And cult leader Rick is like, well, I wanted to hear it from her. And Emma goes, no, it's basically that. And I was like, oh, this looks like battered daughter syndrome already. Um, Totally. So, um, <laughs> Rick starts tell starts visiting all the other houses and telling them how important it is to build a brand, you know, because they're products, not people. And, um, it's really despicable. Like you can go to an Ivy league school without all this bullshit, but I'm guessing that that's the premise of this movie at this point, right? Like these people aren't good enough to go to an Ivy league school, except they are like, yeah. Like, 
Anyway. My issue is part of my issue. I have plenty of issues. Oh, I know. I, I forgot what it was. Oh, well, because they're all about like, oh, I don't know. Never mind. Um, go without me. Okay. I'll <laughs> go on ahead. Um, so he starts advising them to take college classes online to like pad their resume. And he tells Danny to start a band, but be the front man of the band so that he's got like something impressive on his script. And then um, to start taking SAT prep two nights a week so they can get their scores up. So then it flashes to six months later, guitar Danny and Emma are taking the SAT. Their parents are religiously checking their scores and soccer mom Karen, I've changed her name at this point from Janet to Karen. <laughs> Caroline is what her real name is, but I don't think I'll ever call her that. Um, <laughs> looks disappointed as hell. And then Emma's mom also looks pissed. And you look like it looks like they're about to reenact the Salem witch trials against their children. Yeah. Um. So Emma's mom suddenly is meeting with the school counselor. And the counselor is so sweet, by the way, and is a really good school counselor because I've seen shitty ones. And the counselor says, listen, Yale might not be an option for Emma, but she wants to go into public service and um, do nonprofit work. So George Washington University might be a better fit for her anyway. They have a better nonprofit program. And Bethany, Aunt Becky, sure does. Basically, stand up, pull out a gun that is called I Have More Money Than You, Bitch. That's the name of the gun. And flat out says, I pay my $50,000 on time. And the um, and this is your sick, twisted way to get back at the 1%. First of all, if you're paying $50,000 to send your kid to high school... You need to really take a good long look at yourself in the mirror. And second of all, George Washington University is a really, a really good, good school. school. Um, the, Emma's mom then says if the counselor doesn't shape up and give her the answer she wants, she'll make sure she has a new job by tomorrow. <sighs> Aunt Becky's the worst. Danny's mom, who we finally found out her name is Caroline now. We're like 20 minutes into the movie at this mm-hmm. point tells Danny that he's going to die poor and alone because he hasn't started a paper that is due in two weeks from now and because he didn't get a perfect score on his SAT. So those are the two ways you are successful. Start that paper right now. Everybody, write a paper today. (laughs) Don't wait. And also get a perfect score on the SAT or you might as well just jump off a bridge. If anybody wants to meet me at the bridge (laughs) so we can jump off, just... Send me an email. Then Caroline texts cult leader Rick, but he shows up at um, Emma's mom's house and she demands that he waves his magic wand to get her kid in a yell like he's done in the past. So he shuts the door and he says, it's not magic. And then he starts talking and the door shuts and it just creeps me out because I did not know where this was going and thought this was going to be some kind of sex scandal that I was not prepared for. Like, (laughs) I can get your daughter in, but you got to put out, you know? And I was like, whoa, I thought it was just a money thing, but it was just a money thing, guys. Just heads up. It was just a money thing. But it's lifetime. So it could have gone any direction at that point. It really could have. Yeah. Um, I mean, they use the magic words inspired by a true story. Oh, I meant to say that, that it said inspired yeah. by at the top. You're right. Um, so Colt Litterick then shows up at Caroline's house and says there's something he can do to help. He says Danny will have a greater chance if he's recruited for a sport and his eyes twinkle with some kind of crazy madness as he says this. 
Then Caroline explains to her husband that all they have to do, and Aaron, I'm telling you this too, since you have a child who will go to college one day, all you have to do is pay a quarter million dollars to somebody. Mm-hmm. So you just have that in a drawer, right? That's that Warren drawer you've got with all the oh, dollar bills yeah. sticking out. That's your yeah. quarter million drawer, right? Okay, That is, yeah. Yeah, okay. Actually, I don't have to worry about that because while, you know, the people in, at the whatever $50,000 high school in California that can't get everybody into an Ivy League school, um, my son's school doesn't have that problem. And they had like 15 to 20 kids go to Ivy's last year. So, well. Put your pinky up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did they all have drawers full of cash like you do? or No, mine is my problem is going to be um, paying for the Ivy once he gets in. That's his problem at that point. No. <laughs> I know. Unfortunately, it's not. So that's my problem. That's what I'm using my, ca- my 250 cash drawer for. Gotcha. Okay, good. <laughs> um, so... Um, what she says is they just have to pay it to his nonprofit foundation and that nonprofit will bribe coaches to recruit Danny for a rowing scholarship. And at no point does anybody say like, he doesn't play a sport. At no point is anybody like, hey, my kid doesn't play a sport. Yeah, no. Then... She also explains that they can pay a shrink to get Danny extra time on the SAT with a special proctor who will take the test for him. He just has to sit there. And again, nobody's like, that's cheating. And when the dad finds out this whole thing only costs $250,000, his exact quote is, well, it's cheaper than endowing a library. Which is not 100% true. (laughs) No. Um... And then, and then I was like, so that's what I said. Okay, we've all officially arrived in Nutville. Everybody off the train. Yeah. Look, th- this went off the rails real fast. <laughs> if you had. And these people are horribly misinformed. And I believe last night I called them new money idiots. Yes, you because did. Because if you had several generations of money in your family, your your family would have told you how to get this done and remain out of the clink. Yep. Um, now, if I had $250,000 just sitting in a bank account, do you know what I would do with it? Um, give it to Rick Singer to get your non-existent child into college? To get my oldest dog into college. <laughs> <laughs> All dogs go to college. All um, dogs do go to college. <laughs> um, now, I would buy a, like, I would use it toward a brownstone in New York. That's always been my dream. But I've always wanted to live in New York for like six months to a year. I don't think I could make it happen forever. Well, see, that's why I want a second house there. And then I can live here and then just go there whenever I want. Um, mm. Anyway, um, so f- he finally recounts after he's like, well, that's cheaper than a library. And he's like, we could get into serious trouble. And Caroline says that she understands, but it's clear she does not give one single fuck. And she is dreaming of how to make him change his mind. She says she understands. However, <laughs> when the shit hits the fan, she did not understand. Clearly. 
Um, so then it flashes to the FBI office and agents are grilling some unknown man about the amount of money he's taken from people. But on the way in, the female agent tells the guy that she's working with how much she loves sticking it to these rich assholes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I know who he is and why this happened. So I'll tell you. Okay, good. Um, so he offers... He says he doesn't know what they're talking about. So they push the classic manila envelope over to him or folder. I mean, and he opens it and my phone just decided that I was talking to her. Oh yeah. Um, so he opens it and he looks shocked that they have actual information about him. Oh fuck. I broke the law. Like the (laughs) FBI is known for having nothing for just like going in with, with, uh, empty threats. Um, So he offers up a plea deal to soften his own blow. He says he knows Mm -hmm. something about sports at top American schools. Yes. So it flashes. Which is really some information that can go either way. Because you're like, I know something about sports at top American schools. Did you know that the University of Alabama has a really good football team? Right? Exactly. Don't tell anybody. (laughs) Nailed it. Um, so then it's like are we done here bye (laughs) so then we're back at emma's house and she's watching some hot guy in the pool presumably her boyfriend who's a sophomore at yale um like you do and he gets even hotter the minute he recites the opening line to pride and prejudice and i was like emma i can totally see what you've got for him like yep um and so um Emma's mom comes out and tells her to finish her quiz and then they have something important to talk about. And so Bethany tells her that if she says that she plays soccer and pretends to be dumb for a therapist, she gets into yell automatically. And I was like, I played soccer until the fourth grade and I play dumb all the time. <laughs> so hit me up, yell. <laughs> Uh, well, people on Twitter really came for the kids last night in the movie. And I just have to say, like, I feel bad for these kids that went along with it because everybody knows we say this all the time that teenagers are really fucking dumb. Uh huh. And your parents are supposed to keep you from doing dumb shit instead of like walk you into the dumbest shit you could ever do. Right. Like her mom, your child do this thing. Her mom, Kool-Aid man kicked the wall in and was like, go in first. Yeah. Um, So then she says that Rick's people are going to take her college classes for her. The ones that she's taking online so that her GPA stays good. So then it comes to the FBI watching the soccer coach at Yale taking bribes and the guy that he's taking a bribe from drops the name Rick, Rick Singer, or rather he drops the name Rick Singer to the guy he's taking the bribe from. Um, and the FBI is now hot on his trail. And then it cuts to Emma FaceTiming the only human being in this movie over 18 that is worth paying attention to. Yes. And that is her dad. And he seems awesome. And we find out that he's got a history of addiction. But he clearly loves her and wants to take care of her. He's a novelist. The whole wall behind him is covered in post-it notes. And I have been there. Whenever I'm writing, I have post-it notes everywhere. Um, and he kept in clutch at the end of this movie. Yes, so. he does. So then it cuts to Emma posing for soccer pictures. And she looks like she has never even seen a soccer ball before. Every well, time. She's in front of a green screen like in a park. <laughs> And I'm like, who decided this was a good idea? Like in a public place in front of a green screen. That doesn't look suspicious at, <laughs> at all. 
<laughs> so, um, then she takes the SAT and the proctor tells them what answers to pick. But he's like, but only you pick C. The other two pick B because it'll look suspicious if you all get it right. Um, Danny comes home high from a performance and mom and dad are mad. They take, <laughs> they take his guitar. He was like, I'm about as high as you were when yes. something or other. <laughs> and she goes, I should have never told you that. Never told you that story. <laughs> and like, don't parents know not to tell their kids that? Because they will turn it around the minute they can. hundred percent. Erin, if you haven't learned that, let me tell you now as a teacher, don't tell them no. anything. Um, yeah. So I used to teach preschool and kids really do say the darndest things. <laughs> So after they take his guitar, they argue about Stanford and he storms upstairs and blares loud, angry music like every teenager ever. And Caroline is mad. The, all, all the other kids are getting to their dream schools. So she waits till her and her husband are in bed. And then she convinces him to get $250,000 to get her kid into Stanford. And um, she manipulates him somehow. But I really couldn't figure out like what made him cave, except she was like, you'd do whatever for your son, right? That was it. And like, uh, but I'm like, I don't, okay, that's it. Well, here's the thing. I think it dawned on him that like, if I don't do this, anytime he does something wrong for the rest of his life, it's going to be like, remember that one time you didn't get me $250,000 to get him into Stanford? Because that's when this all went downhill for us. Oh, that's fair. Um, So Caroline calls cult reader Rick and says that they're in, but as long as Danny never knows... Then it cuts back to the FBI and they're cracking down on the Yale soccer coach. They're hot on Rick's trail. Um, I'm trying to speed through because we're, I don't want to go too long. And I just realized I still have a lot of notes. Um, Also, like these parents have zero regard for what their children want or need or how they feel or like I have never seen kids just steamrolled by their parents so hard. Right. Danny does not want Stanford at all. And Emma really wants Yale, but I don't know how to say this politely. If you can't hack it to get into Yale, you're not going to hack it to survive in at Yale. Yale. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause what are you going to like keep going to the professors? I mean like, okay, let's keep this rolling. Yeah. <laughs> My mom's got another $250,000. Yeah. So anyway, um, <laughs> I, this is where I wrote, I can't wait to watch him fall, but it's because I have a chip on my shoulder because of how hard I've had to work to get where I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so Danny gets a text that this really fancy manager wants to represent him mm-hmm. and his parents could not care less. Not at all. Um, instead, at all. instead they celebrate by telling him he needs to go get diagnosed with ADHD so he can get extra time on his SAT and cult leader Rick is with them. And he's like, you know, cause I've never seen you sitting down. That sounds like ADHD to me. Okay, sure. Sure, Jan. These people are the worst. Emma gets called into the counselor's office and she is caught. And it is not go pretty. Um, Yale has called the counselor and wants to know why her application is all about soccer when she doesn't play for the school team. They've never heard of her playing soccer before. Yeah, she busted. Hardcore. uh Uh-huh. And um, don't worry, mom's here to be racist and horrible. Yep, that's exactly what I was about to say. Um, so now the counselor is suspicious, and everybody wants more documentation. And Emma's like, "I'll just talk to my mom because she's got the picture. I gotta go. Listen, she's screaming right now. Bye!" And like gets out <laughs> as, as quickly as she can. So, um, 
Cult leader Rick tells Bethany to take care, like that he'll take care of it, but she's got some leverage power too. So Bethany shows exactly what she can leverage by going in and throwing a world-class hissy fit at this private school and talks about all the great things that she does and all the great things that her daughter does. That her daughter flies to France every summer so that it doesn't interfere with her studies. And I pay a lot of money and I was on the council that found you. And that black counselor can just go somewhere else because she hates us. And I was like, you need to calm all of that down, ma'am. Is this before or after she goes on her really racially insensitive tirade? You know, she does a couple of racially insensitive things. And so I just, I was so angry that I couldn't write them all down. But yes, at some point she tells Emma that any minority would use their, uh, their minority-ness to their advantage the way that she is using her white powerness. Like, <laughs> like, no, ma'am. That's no. not okay. That's like, not okay. Like, I understand that affirmative action is a polarizing thing in the United States, but you can't say it like that. Yeah. <laughs> you can't. Yeah. I'm just using my whiteness the way that people of color use their people of colorness. Like, no, <laughs> that's racist. <laughs> but thanks for playing, mom. Have a nice day. Right. So, um, so, um, the problem goes away and then it cuts to Danny taking the SAT and once he leaves, the proctor retakes it for him. So he'll pass. Yeah. Well, you say the problem goes away, but you missed the call that she made to Rick Singer to tell him how the woman begged for her forgiveness. Oh yeah. Oh, I wrote, I hold on. Bethany is so pleased with herself for making the counselor cry. She uh, like she, what like, a bitch. Yeah, she's like she was groveling, Rick. It was the most powerful I have ever felt. And I'm like, damn, this is what Regina George would have grown into if a bus hadn't hit her. <laughs> I'm like, girl, you want to feel powerful? Like, start dating a guy and like have sex with him. That's good. Like, <laughs> do this nonsense. Buy nice clothes for the homeless and help them with job interviews. That yeah. that'll help you feel powerful. Donate all your ugly shift dresses. <laughs> To people that they'll look good on. Yes. So then it flashes to the FBI listening in on her phone call with Rick. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I wrote, they're just a mousetrap waiting to snap. They're just so, <laughs> they're so fucking pleased with themselves. They too. are. They're like, they're like drumming their fingers. Like, like, oh, this is the best thing like, ever. <laughs> so Rick is on the phone with Caroline. And then he's like, uh. I have to go. Um, I mean, it's not a big deal, but uh, the FBI is for some reason out in front of my house. And like, I mean, he just seems so confused. Yeah, I, I think the neighbor's having some kind of issue with the FBI. Well, I got to go call the neighborhood watch. I'll, I'll call you later. <laughs> so, How did this not get out with 19 FBI police cars like pulled into his driveway? Right. They... Clearly do not have one of those neighborhood Facebooks. <laughs> um, they're so rich where he lives that they're not in each other's business. That's a level of rich. They all have to sign NDAs against each other. <laughs> so um, they grill cult. The FBI grills cult leader Rick about his organization. Where do all the monies from his charities go? And then they tell him that mail fraud and racketeering are on the table. And, um, 
his attorney is like, well, you don't really have anything. So they just pull out a recording and press play. And Rick is like, fuck. And the attorney finally goes, okay, what can we do? And so then it cuts to three months later when and he just sings like a canary he absolutely does he's like oh let me keep this and he i i expected him to pull out like santa's naughty and nice list and just like unroll it and yeah. <laughs> it's well this has now been going on for over a year and he still hasn't shut up so i'm like dude right you're gonna get killed so um caroline gets a phone call from rick that is not suspicious one bit at all even a tiny a tiny little portion of her never said you should shut up the fbi is listening in on this phone call while he's like hey um i'm being systematically audited uh it's not a big deal but i just want to make sure that you don't tell them that you gave me two hundred and fifty thousand dollars remember when you gave me two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to get your son into stanford and we got him into stanford do you remember and agree to that that you did that <laughs> Look, he practically calls her and is like, I'm going to just before we start, I need you to enunciate so that the FBI gets this clean in one take. Right. And she's like, sure, I'll play. Yeah. I mean, like, like we said in the opening, he all but asked for like their social security number mm-hmm. over the phone. Um, yeah. He's like, so I'm going to send you like this screenshot of what we just talked about. If you could just sign it and return it, that'd be great. Thank you. Get it notarized on the way. Yeah. Just- <laughs> I'm like, you guys, like, how do you have enough money to pay to get your kids in these schools, but not enough sense to shut your mouth about it? Right. (laughs) And then um, Rick calls Bethany and has the same conversation, except she goes, I'm not a moron, Rick. I'm not going to tell anybody that I gave you $500,000. I'm going to say I was so inspired by you helping the poor, even though we both know you're working to get my daughter into Yale. And I'm like, okay, great. You're not an idiot. Perfect. You proved it. And also while we're on the phone, I just like to say that I don't care about poor people. (laughs) Or minorities. Or minorities. Yeah. Just (laughs) so I cover it all and I can become the complete asshole that I am for the FBI. Then she's like, hey, listen, while I've got you on the phone, (laughs) um, just a little question. Did Emma get into Yale? Because I paid you a lot of money for that. And he's like, yeah, she's in. But don't tell anyone. It's a secret. So naturally... Everybody, she, everybody west of the Mississippi knows that Emma got into Yale. I don't even know. She who has Emma. zero chill, like none. Um, so Caroline calls back to ask if Danny got in. And now Danny's telling everyone at school that he got into Stanford while the pretentious brunchers are all celebrating that their kids all paid, got their ways paid into their dream school. And it kind of looks like, like when they're all celebrating, it looks like some medication commercial. Like I expected slow motion jumping. Um, So everybody's happy except for Rick, who is in front of the mirror rehearsing how he's going to plead guilty. And it's like when you are acting like practicing, asking someone out on a date, like your honor, I plead guilty. Your honor, I plead guilty. Your honor, I feel awful, but I, you look very good in that robe your honor i plead guilty <laughs> yeah he's he's like he says it and he's like oh no i need to be more contrite and he says it again and he's like wait i i need to be i need to look like i'm more sorry <laughs> <laughs> 
it's really bad. Um, so then it starts flashing every big city in the United States, and you can tell it's not going to be good because mm-hmm. it's involved everybody. Mm-hmm. So Danny's parents are arrested for mail fraud and they're just hauled out of the house in handcuffs and Danny's watching. Um, meanwhile, when Bethany gets arrested, she walks out on the front lawn with her purse dressed in all black and her big glasses like Audrey Hepburn style and just sits in the cruiser. She's got her fucking Hermes bag. She's- <laughs> she, well, well, because she was like, the police are here. I mean, like, I clearly need to go, go, um, help them with something because she, that's she acts like she's the job. only witness in the yeah. like special investigation the cops yeah are she's like so i'm just gonna go with them for a little while and i'll be back later everything's good bye <laughs> <laughs> so um danny Danny finds out on the news what his parents are doing and his best friend comes busting in the house and was like, you piece of shit. I've worked my whole life for Stanford and your parents just paid for it. I bet you feel like a big man now and then storms out. And Danny's like, dude, I have no fucking clue what is going on. Like you and I figured it out at the same time. Well, what I loved is that his friend who, I mean, is understandably pissed, right? Because he doesn't know, but he's like, I'm trying to think of a not melodramatic way to end this conversation and I can't. And so he just leaves. <laughs> and I was like that. I feel that in my soul. Mm-hmm. Um, so then it flashes to Emma, who's been at her boyfriend's house on um, spring break and their parents, like her parents, his parents are sending her packing, but his not- parents are also assholes, but for different reasons, but not before hot literature boyfriend breaks up with her. Yeah. He's like, did you know? I mean, of course you knew because you don't play soccer. So really? Yeah. And she's like, but but my mom says I have to. And she's like snotting. And I get it. But at the same time, like, I told my mom no and got whipped plenty of times growing up. <laughs> yeah, but that mom was especially overbearing. And That's growing true. up in that kind of household, it is hard to say no I, to those kind I really of people. I really call that very much Stockholm Syndrome. The fact that she played it was it, it, it was almost borderline like abusive behavior oh yeah um like i said it looked like battered daughter syndrome from the very beginning totally yeah um so emma's mom is being held on half a million dollar bill um Mm -hmm. and the judge is like i'm sure this won't i'm sure this is well within reason or something to that effect and the lawyer's like yes she can afford that and so then this bitch (laughs) this is what i would have raised the bell to like 17 million dollars because the judge is like um and do you guarantee that you will be back for your arraignment and bethany is like well can you tell me the exact date of the arraignment because like i'm very important and there are people all over the world who i need to boss around at any given time and i have to give a stank face to approximately 17 people on any given day so i need to clear my schedule from talking bad about minorities and swinging my purse so <laughs> also i have to find time to buy another ugly dress to be here with <laughs> and her attorney is like shut the fuck up she'll be here your honor and he like yeah, looks i have never to- seen an attorney like so pissed in my life <laughs> so if he had hauled off and hit her the judge would have been like justifiable (laughs) (laughs) the judge would have turned around and been like hmm what's this on the back wall everybody look this way Um, meanwhile Danny is in the park crying and his parents can't get a hold of him Um, poor Danny he tries to run and then he falls and I was like 
I can't even run. <laughs> Um, honestly, at this point is when I started to feel pretty bad for Caroline and Jackson because their motives weren't very different than Bethany's. Like it was out of a place of desperation. Um, and we'll get to the difference between Felicity Huffman and, and Lori Laughlin. <laughs> um, so the pretentious brunch bunch are all watching the news on their phones and they're eating up, eating it up the same way you and I did when the news about like, Becky well, broke. I, but then I they start, never. and they start looking at each other like, I wonder who else was involved. It couldn't have been me. Like, um, so Bethany is getting kicked out of her office, but not before the best closing line I have ever heard of any hissy fit ever. She goes, <laughs> it is my suggestion that the next person to use the subjunctive go screw themselves. And I was like, when the only leg you have to stand on is grammar, it is time for you to go. As an English teacher, I'm telling you this. Well, then she turns around to try to flounce up the stairs to her office, and there's like a huge security <laughs> guy standing behind her. So um, then it flashes to Caroline, who is losing her business over the whole situation. Um, mm -hmm. And and no more Mykonos. That's the saddest part, right? I said, and this is just as bad as Aunt Becky. How will these rich, white, entitled assholes live now? What will they have to do? Have real jobs that get paid hourly? Oh my God! Jackson goes into work and he can't even come off the elevator because all of his coworkers are watching the news and laughing. <laughs> and I was like, "Well, sorry." So then Bethany's talking to her Although lawyer. He worked with a bunch of assholes anyway, right? So. so then Bethany is talking to her attorney, Alan, and she is absolutely trying to justify everything she did. Um. And the attorney is like, you can't, you can't justify this, right? Mm -hmm. And so she gets pissed that he's not on her side and she fires him. And he's like, bye, bitch. So then Caroline is crying to her attorney that this can't be happening to us. And her husband says, this isn't happening to us. You dragged us into this. Like he didn't have anything to do with it. Like he didn't write the check. I think he had the key to the cash drawer. So. Right. Um. So he's mildly culpable for this, for the situation. So now they're having an identity crisis because they might actually be going to prison. Caroline agrees to plead guilty and beg forgiveness. Um, and she's afraid of the real world consequences, but Jackson is just afraid he'll lose his license to practice law. Yeah, He's like, I won't be able to practice law. Law. <laughs> so then Beth hear you. <laughs> this Spanish speaking nanny who Bethany has been an asshole to the entire movie comes home and she tries to get her to validate her. Like she comes in the door and the first thing she says to her is, wouldn't you do anything to make sure your children succeed? And I was like, bitch, she watches your clothes for a living. She's already doing everything she can to make sure her kids succeed. Shut the hell up and sit down. Yeah. She's like, no bitch. <laughs> she just walks away. She's like, I'm going to do the laundry. Um, like, I, I, I gotta get out of here. So Danny comes in and tells his parents how they've ruined his life. And he's right. Like, he's lost his manager. Um, he's not going to go to college now. And he yeah. loves it that his parents grovel. And then when they're done and they think that they've, like, said everything they can to make him feel better, he reads the transcripts of the things that they said. And I was like, ooh, Danny, that might have been a step too far, but you're 17, so I get it. Um, so I don't think it was too far at all. I, it, you know, I don't, you know, I'm sorry, I believe like, in when, grace. Yeah, I don't. I know. And that's okay. Um, so then a Emma comes storming home angry and blames her mom 
because her mom made her go along with it. She blames her mom for everything. And in the end, both of Bethany's daughters are mad at her over the things that Bethany said, because Bethany also said like, oh, you don't have to worry about the younger daughter because she's Mm -hmm. smart and she'll be able to do it on her own. And so they both feel like really hurt over that because it's clear the younger sister like actually likes Emma. So why do you think that it was okay for Emma to throw that in her mom's face, but not okay for Danny to throw the same thing in his parents' face? Bethany never apologized. And Caroline and Jackson did. Caroline and Jackson wanted some kind of forgiveness and Bethany did not. And when people ask forgiveness, I believe in grace. Bethany didn't ask for it and she deserves to know how badly she hurt somebody. Um, so then... Um, Emma can't get a hold of her dad and everyone's hoping that he hasn't relapsed because he is an addict and mm-hmm. um, Danny is packing his shit up and he's going to go far away where his parents will never find him. Bethany is drinking and her former attorney calls and says that her company is firing her and suing her. So it's time for her to liquidate all of her properties and assets. And she goes legitimately crazy about this. Like, no. And starts laughing. Like, Yeah. And then she's like, I know. I'll call uh, Ruth Madoff. Like she's been in this situation. And I was like, bitch, Ruth Madoff isn't going to answer your phone calls. (laughs) So that this is when she finally. She's in enough trouble. (laughs) This is when she finally shows some kind of remorse. And she's trying to talk to Emma and she's like crying outside the door. Um, so, but she's also wasted. She's wasted. So I don't count it as real remorse. (laughs) So then we're in Emma's room and somebody knocks on the door again and she yells at her mom to go away, but it's actually his dad, her dad. He didn't relapse. He'd flown in to see Emma. Um, he hugs her and he lets her know that he loves her. Even if she did stupid things. Um, he says that half of her screwed up genes are his and he screwed up too. So, um, the thing that she can do to recover from this is to make the world a better place. Yeah. Cause she is like crying to him. Like, like I'm, ne- I'm never going to live this die. down. Yeah, she's like, I'm never going to live this down. Like, I want to die. And he, she's like, what do I do? And he's like, you just move, like, you just keep going. Like, you just remind everyone that you're, you're a good person. You did a dumb thing. Like, you're not a dumb person that just keeps doing dumb things or right. something to that effect. Right. And basically, he says, live every day to make the world better for other people. And that's how they'll forgive you. Um, so then Bethany hides in her closet, which is as big as my house. And she is not even close to remorseful in this closet. No. So then... Danny's parents find a flash drive full of his music that he offered them to listen to a long time ago and they wouldn't. And it's so good. Yeah, it's really good. And um, so then while his song is playing and it's a beautiful, sad song, the ending Chiron comes up and it says, to date, over 50 people, including 35 parents and 10 college closes have been indicted as a result of the FBI investigation, Operation Varsity Blues. Rick Singer pleaded guilty to four felonies. Six of his co-conspirators were among those indicted. Approximately $25 million in bribes were paid. Universities are investigating students from family involved in the scandal. This has already resulted in expulsions. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> implicated coaches from Georgetown, Stanford, UCLA, UT, USC, and Wake Forest have all been fired or resigned from their schools. Coach Rudy mm-hmm. Meredith resigned from Yale before news of the scam became public. The admissions process itself is under review at universities nationwide. And Rick mm-hmm. Singer claims he provided illegal help to nearly 800 families. Yeah, dude, shut your mouth. Stop talking. <laughs> you, like... Listen, because now, like, it's come out more recently 
some of the people that gave him a, a lot more money. Uh-huh. And I'm like, those people can afford to end your life, dude. Right. <laughs> Um, yeah. And so actually I wanted to say when, um, that last scene when Danny's like packing up and leaving uh-huh. when they're downstairs and the mom is like, he's not playing music. He always plays music. And then there's like a FUD. Uh-huh. And I was like, did you think oh, he killed shit, himself? did he kill him? Like, did he complete suicide? Like that's dark, but he did. I was no. like, oh man, like, I, knew but it was I really packing, thought maybe he but... had, but oof. I don't know. I saw a lot of myself in Danny also, but as a, like, yeah. as the hurting musician who yeah. that's all I wanted to do growing up, you know, like I got it. Mm-hmm. I felt the most bad for him. I think, especially because he had no he idea, had no idea. And his friend, like, Oh, it was really bad. Okay. So let's hear about the real story. Are you ready? I am ready. All right. So off the top, my sources are, Wikipedia, page six, which is where I get all my good news. <laughs> um, the Cut, Rolling Stone, The Business Insider, and Vice. Um, and, okay. Do, do, do. March of 2019. <laughs> I started by saying what I was doing in March of 2019. Good. That's how I've started many of my... March of 2019 was a busy month for me. I was getting ready to move. I was working a lot. My car was just beginning its descent into hell. I was baking a lot, probably because I was stressed about those other things that I just mentioned. And the night of March 12th, 2019, I was wrapping up what was probably the most boring season of The Bachelor ever until they bring on just an actual houseplant as The Bachelor. Our fair Colton had jumped the fence to run away, been rescued in the Portuguese countryside, then returned to claim his lady love, Cassie. The pair continue their spicy as mayonnaise relationship to this day. However, The Bachelor was not the most dramatic thing that happened on that day. My apologies to Chris Harrison. The morning of March 12th, 2019, actress Lori Laughlin and her husband, Massimo Giannulli, and actress Felicity Huffman, awoke to the FBI and SWAT teams at their door. Which, was the SWAT team really necessary? (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen these yuppies? I don't think they were going to come out like guns a-blazing, but whatever. (laughs) Aunt Um, Becky comes out with a full-on AK-47 to just mow everybody down. (laughs) You'll take my kids out of USC over my cold, dead body! Yep. (laughs) Um, They, along with 32 other parents, were arrested as part of Operation Varsity Blues or the College Admissions Scandal, a long-running scandal in which parents were paying Rick Singer, a college coach, to get their kids into the university of their choice, either by drafting them to college teams for sports they didn't actually play, or by having them evaluated in order to score additional time on college admissions exams, or just by having someone else entirely take the exam for them. So, who is Rick Singer? William Rick Singer is the mastermind behind this entire operation. On March 12th, he was also having a busy day, pleading guilty to money laundering, racketeering, obstruction of justice, and of course, the good old tax evasion. Um, Singer has actually been a key figure in the admissions community for quite some time. He founded his company, coincidentally called The Key, which is a, quote, private life coaching and college counseling company. And according to its website, quote, the Keys clientele is all referral-based. Consequently, the quality of the service provided to many of the world's most renowned 
renown. Not renowned. Renowned. And someone uh, was giving this guy half a million dollars when he had a typo on his webpage. Listen. (laughs) You can't make it look too good. That's when people get onto you. Right. So the world's most renowned families and individuals has provided incredible foundation for the key to grow its offerings worldwide. And fun fact, I discovered a a personal connection to this case. Because this douchebag went to college at Trinity University in San Antonio, Texas. Oh, really? Mm Mm-hmm. I have a good friend who went there. The big tagline at Trinity is that nine out of ten girls in Texas are pretty and the other one goes to Trinity. (laughs) Yikes. Um, so after graduating from there, he coached sports for a while before shifting to college admissions. He appears to have started on the legit side, although even when he was doing the legal thing, he was being shady about it, allegedly suggesting that a wealthy student claimed to be the impoverished child of a single mother in his personal essay, which, wow. (laughs) That's not okay. Um, It's alleged that, quote, Rick had been telling him for weeks to write this essay, telling him he was a poor student, but the kid was having trouble with it because he couldn't imagine what it was like to be poor. Oh, my God. Just call me. So he already sucked. Um, He started and then sold the still active Future Stars College into career counseling and then went into mortgage broking for a while because Why why not, you know? Then he went back to counseling. He launched a service called The College Source before starting the Edge and Edge College and Career Network, aka The Key. Singer ran two organizations, the for-profit LLC, which did college counseling as well as test prep services, and a tax tax-exempt nonprofit, The Key Worldwide Foundation, which was ostensibly set up to quote provide guidance, encouragement, and opportunity to disadvantaged students around the world, but really just appears to be a, t- a front he used to launder money through. Because who wants to pay taxes, right? Right. <laughs> so Singer's big thing is that he provided, quote, a side door to college admissions because the people in his scam, <clears throat> he says that they weren't rich enough, but really what he means is that they didn't want to make a big splash by, say, donating a building or equipment to their or their name to a university in order to gain their child's admission, right. like normal rich people do all the time. Right. Which is commonly known as the back door. Right. No, uh, you got to go in the side. You got to climb up the latticework through a window. Right. And so all I want to know is USC has a pretty prominent fashion program. Why did Massimo Giannulli not call them and say, hey, I want to teach a class. And by the way, my daughter is going to are going to apply to USC next year. Then they would have been paying you and your kids would have gone in. Right. <laughs> but that's none of my business. Um, and they also didn't want to rely on their child's own merits to get into a school that maybe they would thrive in and do well in, which is the front door. <laughs> right. So Singer gave them a third option, which for all intents and purposes was to just cheat their way in. Like you do. 
He funneled payments from parents to fund bribes to test administrators and college athletics coaches. Singer was allegedly paid $25 million between 2011 and 2019. Holy shit. <clears throat> Beginning in 2011, 33 parents of high school students conspired to use bribery and other forms of fraud to illegally arrange to have their children admitted to top colleges and universities. Authorities became aware of this scheme <clears throat> in April of 2018 when Los Angeles businessman Maury Tobin, who was under investigation in an unrelated case for an alleged pump and dump conspiracy and securities fraud, sang like a canary to get his own ass off the line. He must because have been a male any, child because I used to do that shit. Because if anyone is going to bring down a rich white dude for being involved in a scandal, it's going to be a richer white dude involved in a different scandal. Yep. Um, Tobin alleged that Rudy Meredith, the head women's soccer coach at Yale, asked him for $450,000 in exchange for helping his youngest daughter gain admission to the university. As we see in the movie, part of his cooperation with the FBI involved him wearing a wire while talking to Meredith in a Boston hotel on April 12, 2018, when he all but requested he speak up into the microphone because the people wearing wires in this movie had no chill. Right? <laughs> the, yeah, like the FBI were like, whoa, 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 you're moving too fast. Slow down. Mm -hmm. And he's like, can you talk straight into my lapel? Like, yeah. my nipple likes it when you talk right at it. <laughs> um, Meredith subsequently led the FBI to Rick Singer. Suspiciously, Tobin was never charged in the college admissions scandal, though he did later plead guilty on the other securities fraud charge. However, instead of the recommended eight to 10 years in prison, prosecutors recommended a whopping 36 months of supervised release. God, being rich and white must rock. To date, he has not been formally sentenced. <laughs> <clears throat> The university sports team involved in the scandal included USC, UCLA, Georgetown, Stanford, Harvard, Northwestern, Yale, the University of Texas, Wake Forest University, and the University of San Diego. Uh, uh, Jovan Vavik. Sorry, the University US of San Diego seems like a, a real out there one. <laughs> like, Yeah. Um, Jovan or Jovan Vavik, the USC water polo coach. Ali Coast Rush Shaheen nailed it. <laughs> the USC women's soccer coach Donna Heinel, the USC senior associate athletic director, Jean Vandermoor, the Stanford sailing coach, and Michael Center, the University of Texas men's tennis coach, were all immediately fired from their positions. Jorge Salcedo, the UCLA uh, men's soccer coach, was placed on administrative leave, and as far as I can tell, he remains that way to this day. <clears throat> Gordy Ernst, former Georgetown tennis coach, had already left Georgetown when the charges were filed, but he had moved to the University of Rhode Island. Um, they placed him on the administrative leave, and then he resigned a week later. William Ferguson, the Wake Forest volleyball coach, was placed on administrative leave. Shockingly, he used to work at USC. No. Um, he also resigned in August of 2019. Finally, Rudy Meredith, the Yale women's soccer coach who started this whole mess, mess resigned his position in November 
On March 12, 2019, federal prosecutors unsealed a criminal complaint charging 50 people with conspiracy to commit felony mail fraud and honest services mail fraud. Those charges have a maximum term of 20 years attached to them. On April 9, 2019, 16 of the original 33 charged parents, including Lori Laughlin and her husband, Massimo Giannulli, who had pled not guilty to the original charges, were also charged with conspiracy to commit money laundering by, um, by federal prosecutors in a superseding indictment. The indictment alleges that the parents engaged in a conspiracy to launder bribes paid to Singer's purport purported charity and his for-profit corporation. This charge has a maximum, also carries a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison. So let's talk about Aunt Becky and Lynette Scavo, shall we? Please. Um, hmm. Felicity Huffman was arrested for paying $15,000 to have her eldest daughter's SAT scores faked. Her payments facilitated someone taking the test in place of her daughter and was actually on the lower end of the scale considering what some of these parents paid out in this scandal. Yeah. Um, Huffman pled guilty in May and was sentenced to 14 days in jail, one year of supervised release, 250 hours of community service, and a $30,000 fine. Which is double what she paid to even get in this right. mess. Um, in her letter at her sentencing, Huffman told her daughter, quote, I can only say I am so sorry, Sophia. I was frightened. I was stupid. And I was so wrong. She went on. I am deeply ashamed of what I've done. I've inflicted more damage than I could imagine. Following her conviction, Felicity Huffman's former, former Desperate Housewives co-star, Ricardo Chavira, also a San Antonio native. Um, took to Twitter to express his views. He said her light prison sentence was, quote, white privilege. And he saw, quote, eight years worth of it on Desperate Housewives. Well, he's not yeah. holding, like, pulling any punches. Mm-mm. Now, who is that? Um, is that who? Who did he play? He was married to Eva Longoria on the show. Okay. Mm -hmm. Huffman's sentence has often been compared to that of Tanya McDowell, who was sentenced to five years in prison after sending her son to the wrong school district. Um, the two cases, however, are not identical, as McDowell's plea deal also settled several drug dealing charges. However, I do think the difference in sentence is great enough to warrant a mention due to the fact that McDowell is a person of color who, according to her attorney, was dealing drugs to try to make ends meet. While Huffman is a white lady who really wanted her daughter to have a good SAT score. Right. Um, it was reported on um, September 29th, 2019. So just a couple weeks ago that Huffman's daughter has been allowed to retake her SAT exam in light of the scandal. According to page six, she wants to apply to universities and has been authorized to take the SATs again after the college board determined that there is no evidence that Sophia knew her mother had her exam proctor correct her wrong answers as a part of the scam. Oh, and then I just found also found this weird headline Okay. <laughs> on page six. Quote, prison-bound Felicity Huffman walks with dog near no dog zone. <laughs> Felicity Huffman's concern for the law has gone to the dogs. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Um, 
my favorite headline from this about Felicity Huffman is Abby Lee Miller giving her advice on how to deal with prison. Oh my lord. <laughs> it's going for two weeks. In, in all seriousness, I'm I'm assuming they're going to process her and let her go. Right. Well, Abby Lee was like, the first day's the hardest and then you can learn how to deal with it. And I'm like, Abby, you are not the same kind of famous Felicity Huffman is. That She's not going to stay. Yeah. So, now what, what about Aunt Becky? Lori Laughlin and her husband Massimo Giannulli were also charged as part of the scandal. The indictment alleges they paid $500,000 disguised as a, as a donation to the Key Worldwide Foundation so their daughters would be accepted to USC as a part of the university's crew team when, in fact, neither of them have ever trained in the sport nor plan to do so. You can look at them and determine that, but... yeah. Laughlin and Giannulli were each released on a bail of $1 million and were allowed to retain their passports and travel outside the U.S. as long as they informed the court beforehand. As a result of the scandal, the Hallmark Channel swiftly cut ties with Laughlin, even editing out the scenes she had already shot for season six of their hit show, When Calls the Heart. On March 16th, Netflix followed suit, dropping her from Fuller House and technology firm Hewlett Packard announced it would remove their daughter, her daughter, Olivia Jade Giannulli, from its advertising. Both of Laughlin's daughters were able to maintain enrollment at USC, but Olivia Jade, a social media influencer on YouTube and Instagram, <clears throat> lost a partnership with Sephora as well as sponsorships for her beauty channel and Instagram posts, which is to date the most ridiculous thing I've ever said. <laughs> Laughlin and Gia Neely were named as defendants in a private class action lawsuit brought on by Stanford University graduates who allege their education and decree degrees have been devalued due to the school's association with the case, which, okay, Stanford graduates, right? take several seats and maybe let's have the kids that work their asses off and didn't get into school have a turn instead. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> My Stanford degree really is devalued because your daughters went to USC. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, Laughlin and Giannulli rejected a plea deal, including an additional charge of money laundering that required both to spend two years in prison. And on April 15th, 2019, she entered a plea of not guilty, which, girl, you were I've dumb. heard the tape. I have heard the tape. Uh-huh, me too. You're guilty as fuck. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Lori Laughlin appears to give zero fucks while she is awaiting trial. She's been spotted out and about at the country club. Her daughter, Olivia Jade, has lashed out a couple of times on social media, most notably on August 11th, 2019. She posted a photo of herself giving two middle fingers to media outlets on Instagram. Yep, I remember that. In the post, she tagged several media outlets, including the Daily Mail and People magazine, with the caption, hashtag close, hashtag source, hashtag says. The post has since been deleted. No. Lori and her husband face up to 40 years in prison if convicted. After the announcement of the Lifetime movie, actress Mia Kirshner said the following in an interview, quote, this story is about privilege and corruption and it's about people who don't follow the rules because they think they're above rules. My character is so corrupt, greedy, 
narcissistic, self-centered, and the dialogue is hilarious. So I'm glad they're able to capture the humor about it as well. <laughs> um, but even Lori Laughlin is not the biggest fish in a scandal. In May of 2019, the parents of a Chinese student at Stanford University were implicated in the scandal, allegedly paying $6.5 million to buy their daughter's admission. I just threw up. And that's, it's actually less expensive to endow a library at this point. Yes, it is. <laughs> Additionally, here's the question I have. If you're already that wealthy, why does your kid need to go to college? Like, like set them up a trust fund, get them, you know, like, especially like, so the, the Giannulli kids, they're like influencers and stuff. He's a big name designer. Why not set them up with some, um, I, what's the word? Apprenticeships with some other big name designers, get their names out there, set them up a career, you know, like you can teach them the business of it. They don't need a degree. Degrees are for poor people like me who have to make a living and get insurance. Yeah. I, um, it appears that this was all about prestige and like, look what my kids can do. Right. But also I looked like I did some research. Neither Lori Laughlin nor Massimo Giannulli went to college at all. Right. So it's not like they're trying to carry on some grand family some legacy. legacy or, right. I don't understand it. Um, so my final note is just Singer, who since being caught seems to have been physically unable to keep his mouth shut, <laughs> has also said he can implicate 750 more families in the in the scandal. So stay tuned. I just because want, this may not be over. <laughs> I just want a live stream at the FBI office where he's just like Chuck Martinson, Charles Manson, <laughs> Jalissa Marson, like where he just goes alphabetically down the name of the list of everyone who's ever paid. I just want a live stream of him like, okay, where are we at today, Aaron? And you just text back like he's in the J's. Great. Cynthia Johnson, Sylvia Johnson. <laughs> We're still in the Johnsons. Okay, I'm gonna go get a sandwich. Come back. We're yeah. still in the Johnsons. Like, so I did some digging around because he, this guy wrote a couple of books, and you can still buy them on Amazon. Don't do that. Don't give him you any guys. Money. Amazon, pull that shit down. I can't. Did you buy yeah, one? This, no. What are they about? They're just they're about getting. They're called Getting In, Volume One and Two. That could have been our Pornhub or TV this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, this concludes White People Are Stupid, a report brought to you by white people. <laughs> <laughs> I I hate this. I, like, I didn't realize really why this was such a big deal until I got into it. Because, I mean, honestly, like, I went to a pretty bougie high school. And while I was not one of the kids that just knew where they were going to college because my family could afford to send me there without me having to do anything, like, I knew people that did. Right. And so I didn't, like, at first it was like, people do this all the time. But, no, 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 people don't do this all the time. No. <laughs> Because, it, you know, we, I was talking to my aunt about it yesterday and it was like, um, the problem is, is that 
these kids were taking another person's spot right in the school. Whereas if you're paying to get your kid into the school, like by giving the school money or whatever, they're not taking someone else's spot. Right. Yeah. Um, so, and so I know that I have a, and I mentioned this earlier, a big chip on my shoulder over this whole situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to name drop the schools that I applied to, but I got into every school that I applied to. That wasn't easy. I worked my ass off for it. And if I had, found out that I didn't get into one of those schools because I was up against one of these assholes. Like, yeah, like for now. And I know for many, I filled a specific demographic because I came from a, a pretty low income family and from the South. And I fit a couple of demographics that they just need to fill. Um, Again, I didn't wind up going to those schools, so it doesn't matter where they were. But if I would have found out that after I worked that hard to go or to get in and then I didn't because Aunt Becky's kids beat me, I would be pissed. I can't imagine how the people who really got beat out feel. Yeah. They have come just complete disregard for other human beings. But more mm-hmm. importantly, it tells their children that they have absolutely no faith in their ability or their yeah. intellect. Yeah. I don't have faith that you are smart enough to do this on your own. So I have to pay what many people hope to make in a 10 year span of time to get you into college. Well, also like they did the little special thing, which was actually an hour long this time after the movie. And like when Felicity Huffman was being sent, she talks about her daughter coming home and being like, you didn't even let me try. Right. Like, why wouldn't you even let me try? And, like, so she broke her kid's heart. But also, like, I have a different perspective. And that's because I come from a place of privilege as a growing up. I didn't get poor until I was older, which is a real shock to the system. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I come from a place of privilege. and I'm. But even me, like, in that place, I'm like, there are so many better ways to do this. Like... If you're so dead set, like, and why USC, Lori Laughlin? Right. But if, I mean, if that's what you want, then you involve them in USC summer programs and you, you, you know, send them to that crap and you send them, you know, that you send them to meet people that go to school there and find out what they want. and, And, or maybe you have them play an actual sport. I don't know. I mean, maybe Olivia Jade doesn't know how to bounce a ball. I don't know. But I'm just saying there's a million better ways to do it than this. Right. Well, and, and also now you're out half a million dollars and that must really suck because you're stupid. Well, <laughs> well and though them particularly, they're out two and a half million dollars at this point because mm-hmm. they had to pay their bail. Yeah. Well, and then also, like I said in the top, like, I don't understand why nobody was like, Massimo, go offer to teach a class at the Fashion Institute at USC and then be like, oh, by the way, these are my kids. They're coincidentally going to apply to school this year. Wink, wink. Right. I mean, Matthew McConaughey is teaching at the University of Texas right now. While his kids are pretty young, I can guarantee you they're not going to be turned away when they apply at, when they're 18 years old. Right. <laughs> they're just, yeah. there are, like you said, rich people have been If this is what you want to do. If you want to, if this is what you want to do, because we do live in a capitalist society, money talks. So if this is what you want to do, there are so many better ways to do it. (laughs) This is just dumb. 
I, well, and I think it's also so short-sighted because mm-hmm. what it says to me is these people didn't consider the severity of college until their kids were in the 11th grade. Whereas, yeah. like, you know, there are people who are pruning their children to be Ivy Leaguers from the third grade. And that's why they take piano lessons and why they do Little League and why they mm-hmm. have these volunteer hours and why they're in 4-H and why they took these classes when they took them and why they did this summer program. And they have been planning their whole lives. And there are people that are younger than me that have children that they are setting up their entire future right now in first grade to go to an Ivy League school. So, like, I'm sorry that you didn't know how to plan. Yeah. Like, I I couldn't care less if my kid ends up in an Ivy. Really couldn't. Right. But also, even I know that, like, sis, by 11th grade, it's over. Yeah. I mean, you're done. It's That's it. Like, I mean, because they were saying when my son was getting ready to go to his freshman year, like, I mean, TikTok, it's already started. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, Yeah. Which was terrifying. I was like, shit, I wasn't ready. Well, especially in Texas, because I don't know if they still do, but on my way out, they were setting up a program where basically as ninth graders, you had to declare a high school major and your entire school had to be focused on that. And so like, if you had the idea that maybe you'd want to go into medicine in the ninth Mm -hmm. grade, you had to start planning which sciences you were going to take, you know. Um, Which also is its own problem because we shouldn't be telling 14 year old kids to pick out what they want to do with their life. Exactly. I we was just really, shouldn't. well, I was like, how many of my students are, cause I was still teaching music. I was teaching orchestra yeah. then. How many of my students are going to give up orchestra because they're told that they have to take a science major to be doctors yeah. when the number, like the highest acceptance rate for medical school of any degree is a music degree. Music mm-hmm. people with a music degree who apply to medical school are accepted 99.7% of the time, wow. which is higher than biochem is the second most accepted. And that's a 97% rate. Yeah. Like, so don't tell a kid they have to limit themselves in the ninth grade because who knows where the world's going to take them. I mean, I still, I, I'm of the group that we shouldn't be asking 18 year old kids to pick what they want to do with their life when they first start college. Right. I just, I think that's absurd. All right. Well, we are going a little long now, so I'm going to step okay. off my soapbox. I'm going to pack it up and pull okay. it out next week. Okay. Um, do you have a lifetime case of the week? We haven't done that in no. a long time. I just gave you a lot of advice on how to get your kid into college, so I have no case. Um, that... And I did one last week. Oh, that's true. You did. I forgot. I haven't done one in a while. Um, do you have one? No. That's what I was hoping you did. Well, on the I was watching 2020 earlier and um, in the vein of like overprivileged kids, they could always cover that affluenza idiot. God. It said he killed people because he was spoiled. Uh-huh. I want, a, a good I want a whole lifetime movie called Affluenza about all the cases that that term has been used in. That'd be oh, a good I think one. it's just one. I think there's only the one. Is there? Yeah, or that is- was the precedent setting case nobody had ever used it before the one from like almost 10 years ago now yeah okay but then a couple years ago it came back around because he then like fled the country oh that's right with his mommy yeah what was his <laughs> name couch ethan, ethan crouch Cou- yeah crouch there we go okay mm-hmm. all right well i'm going to um 
thank you all for spending your time with us and <laughs> to let you know that if you would like to get more of us, because why wouldn't you, um, you can find us at Instagram at lifetime sentence mm-hmm. and on Twitter at life sentence pod. Mm-hmm. You can um, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash lifetime sentence. Um, email us at lifetime sentence podcast at gmail.com and join our Patreon. We're having a good time. Absolutely. We're talking about unsolved mysteries. And they're not even all murders. No. Although I have been on a murder streak lately. Well, the past two, like my last one and your last one both have been not murders. So, um. Well, unless you count the murder of John Lennon. Well, that's true. (laughs) Um, but you can find us at patreon.com slash lifetime sentence. Yeah. And until next time, don't forget to eat your vegetables. Charge your phone. Bye. Bye. This has been Lifetime Sentence, where the truth really is stranger than fiction. Thanks for listening.